0: No purchase necessary boy work prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Log Talk Radio. My brothers and sisters, fellow entrepreneurs around the globe, it is 0, 0600 hours Eastern or Romeo, a few nautical pipes, 1000 hours Greenwich or Zulu time. This is Rudder Radio, your guide to thrive in any economy. And I'm William Eastman, managing partner for Applied Knowledge Labs North America, a business research company with offices in Calgary, Alberta, Las Vegas, Nevada. Kansas City, Missouri, and our recently opened Atlantic Regional Office in Richmond, Virginia, which is where your show today is originating. And we are a company that is changing success for businesses from zero to 50 million in revenue. And I am your host for the next 30 minutes. Today's show is on the best practice of goal integration. But before I go there, and by the way, it's show number 628901. And before we talk about that, we have some administrative to take care of. First of all, if you'd like to join us in the chat room, uh, you can do that by clicking the chat now, now page, um, on the chat now button, I should say, on our show page at blogtalkradio.com/the rudder, and that's T H E hyphen R U T T E R. You can dial in and reach us on our switchboard, at, uh, and get on live at three four seven. Two one five seven four seven one. That's three four seven two one five seven four seven one. You can also twit me—not tweet, because me, I'm not a bird—on uh, Twitter, and just uh, look for W Eastman, W E A W E A S T M A N. And of course, we have our ubiquitous blog um, that you can also that you can also go to, and that link is on our show page or you can Google it by typing in the Rudder R-U-T-T-E-R, blog, and uh, hit it go, and you, what you'll do is we should come up above the, the uh, fold. Okay, so where are we? Uh, as we do every morning um, is we kind of give everybody a sense of where, to, where does this fit into the flow because none of our shows are randomly done. It's not a matter of, uh, well, what am I going to do today? We have done two series so far. The first series we did was to introduce the concept: is that there are predictable, manageable stages of growth, and we did those six stages um, in June. And you can go to the archive section on our page, and you can download those. And then I'm going to, in fact, I'm going to reference one of those uh, this morning. The second series we did is we said, well, then what makes the companies that were able to manage this process effectively? Uh, what were the characteristics of their corporate strategy, the things that they did to say, here's who we are, here's where we're headed. And we identified six elements that made them distinctively different than their competition. So whether your goal is to take the company to a billion dollars, your goal is to, to take it to IPO, or you want to make, keep it private, but you want to become the market dominator, you want to be the biggest dog in the junkyard. Um, these were the elements in there. And those also, you can find those uh, in the archive section off our show page. I am now in show number eleven of forty-three, uh, directly uh, focused on directly focused on what are the best practices that make up fast and uh, sustainable business growth, and so this is this is the show talking about when you get serious. So, what do I mean by that? Well, as the company grows, so does complexity. Uh, that is just a given. Um, I know a lot of people like to keep the business small, and they like to keep it simple. And all I can say to you is that if you want to grow it into a market dominator or at least a a local niche dominator, uh, the business is going to get more complex. There is not much you can do about that. The essence becomes, as the owner, as the executive, as a manager, is that how do you keep it simple? And that's what this best practice is about. It's about keeping it simple. What are the things that you need to do to make sure that it is easier for people to work in the firm and understand it? And what do I mean by that? Well, what happens to any of us as in, any, in any organization, even in the public sector? It doesn't matter. I live within a structure that has a set of objectives, has some job requirements, and is made up by a lot of people. And so that environment onto itself is very complex. And so what happens is those individuals get themselves in, in, in a kind of a space that I call competing responses, in that on any given day, I have the organization telling me I've got these things to do that are based upon some goals and objectives put together for me by a group of executives that I probably don't know. Um, number two is that then I have the things that are on my plate that are part of my job. Then I have issues that are related to where I'm trying to go as a person, my professional development. Uh, How do I get better and more competent at what I'm doing? And then I have issues that are more long-term about, well, you know, I like this organization. Where's my future? And so when you look at all these, it's easy for somebody to get confused. Well, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning is that all of these are growth three Attributes or go, growth stage three behaviors that the leadership of the firm has to figure out how to integrate and make simple. And if you want to check that one out, you can go to the archive, and that is stage three growth. That's uh, what we called the next act, and that's show number 57730. Nine. And I'd recommend that if you want to apply any of the principles we talked about this morning, that that would be an excellent place to go for backup information. And so how do you blend these diverse goals? You know, business demands, job demands, uh, competence demands, uh, long-term development and career demands. How do, I, how do I bring those together so that my goal here, my goal here, is how do I align people in the organization with the strategy or direction of the firm so everybody's on the same page and everybody's pulling in the same direction? And at the same time, how do I align those individuals who have jobs that are directly related to customers? How do I align the processes that they run, manage, work in with what the uh, demands of the customers are? And the essence of stage three issues is how do I get that alignment in the firm? Well, we've got eight attributes or behaviors, uh, eight things that the best of the best did in order to pull this together. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to talk through what the best of the best did. And I'll give you some ideas about what we did. I'm not recommending that you copy us. There are many, many options. These are kind of end result things you need to do. So first of all, the first one is how do you communicate key performance and I leave that blank. Uh, it could be corporate goals. It could be business success factors. It could be um, you know business objectives. I mean, I don't. It, it, there's always a and uh, there's always a different corporate explanation for that X. But how do you communicate to people what is important to the company and where the company is trying to head? And that, that part of that is how does the company collect and then share that information to provide clarity to act. Because the goal you're looking for, as we talked about yesterday in the cultural specific, when we talked about the type of cultures that you can create in the firm, and we've talked in other shows, is that any small business that has created an environment where people sit around and wait to be told and then only do the bare minimum is a small company that's dead. Large companies can survive that in the short term because typically they have a mass of bodies and they typically are overstaffed. Even in this economy, my guess is you could go into any department, take one more person out, and not have a serious effect on performance. It's just the, the nature of the beast. And so in small businesses, that is not the case you are almost always understaffed and almost always could use a couple extra bodies. How do I give people the the, the clarity to act? Now, you can do this with memos, if you like. You can do this with emails. You can do this with staff meetings. Uh, You can do this with a corporate newspaper. You can use a corporate intranet and an intranet to do this. But how do you get that information out there? Our strategy as a firm is we have a two-part system. Part number one is that we use IT infrastructure to build, which has built us an intranet. And by the way, you can get these for free. You can get, if you have a Google account, for example, you can get a Google site that you can close off to other people, a private site, and you can basically run a corporate intranet. Now, will it have all the bells and whistles? It will not. And it has some functional challenges, but I can assure you for free, as opposed to something that may cost you 150 to 200 a month, it's, it works pretty damn well. And what we do with that is that we post all that information on our corporate intranet, number one. And then number two is that we endeavor to weekly have some sort of face-to-face or phone meeting. And what do we do? We talk off of the intranet. In other words, I don't send out a memo. I don't send out an email other than a reminder that this is how we're going to meet and this is the topics. Everybody that is on the phone or we're in a boardroom, it's up on the big screen, we're actually talking the issues off the intranet. And what happens is because of that design, people begin to add information to it as well. And what you have is a pool of excellence, a pool of knowledge in the firm. Now, you don't like that system. Use your own, but that's what I mean about com- communicating the key performance factors, goals, objectives, issues, etc. Second one, staying in this theme, is customer feedback. In other words, how do you ha- how do you get information from customers in the real time? The voice of the customer. How do you get that as part of the corporate reporting system? How do you get it? posted to where anybody in the company knows what our customers think about the use of our products and services, what recommendations that they have. And so I need that information in front of everybody. And again, you can use whatever method you want to use. I use this one because it's inexpensive and uh, it's relatively simple. And since our business has to be integrated electronically, we have to have a strong IT backbone. It just makes sense to us. So this is simply how do you collect the information, the voice of the customer information, and how do you share it with people in the firm. The third one um, is information on quality. And this is exactly, this is the mirror image of it, the other side of the coin. And this, what this is around is insight information. And so how do I get the information about our, our quality for both products and services uh, as part of our reporting or our posting system? And this is simply looking at, say, defects. Uh, if, we're, if we're suddenly 10% behind on our ship dates, I want that posted because I can guarantee you if we're having a meeting, <laughs> we're going to discuss that because that has a direct effect on, on our reputation with our customers or suppliers, depending upon who we're sending it to. But it also affects the dollars. It drives the cost of the business up. If we find out that we are, we've got a lot of recovery going on, in other words, we seem to be comping customers a lot I want that up there because nothing will destroy margins in a company uh, that is service-based faster than having to recover and having to comp the customer. That information I want to post it up on that system. Okay, and then the next one is that I also want to convey to people personal impact. The one thing that I have to, that I think is a challenge for executives and for managers in any company. Uh, in this case, I'm talking to owner executives and maybe you have one line of management if you're a State Street company, is that I have to help people understand the impact uh, of what they're doing. I learned a long, long time ago, when I started corporate consulting over 30 years ago, is that I had one simple test that I used when I walked around the company to figure out how well they were run. And I I would ask them, one, where is the company headed? Number two, how does your department contribute to that? And number three, What's your contribution? How do you impact that? If they can't answer those three questions, you're in serious trouble as a firm. And and a lot of times, people can answer those, but then when you you either within a department or you compare departments, what you find is a totally different message. If there's any place where you need a, a uniform perception and message, is there. And that's what this does. So if you look at this, the first one was around uh, creating key performance factors, let's say, um, in a way that people could access it so they knew where the company was headed. You shared with them the voice of the customer, external data uh, about what's going on, what they think of you guys, internal information around quality, and the, the, the issue of how do people... How does my personal performance impact day to, that day-to-day? What you have now is you can answer that question. Where is the company headed? What, how does my department contribute to it? How do I contribute to that? So we've got those first four of the way out. Let me stop for a second and talk a little bit about us, talk a little bit about our company. Applied Knowledge Lamps, I said it there in the intro that what we're about is that we are a business research company. Well, let me tell you what I mean by that. So because that scares a lot of people away saying, well, you guys are not real you're not real, you're not practical. Uh here's the news. Our business model is that we're an information refinery. Just like a gas company. Um, you know, you go to the gas station, you you don't buy crude. You don't pump crude out of the ground into your car or into your truck or into your aeroplane or into your boat. It doesn't work. You don't put it in your house to, to know, heat it if you still use heating oil. Rather, what happens is that the refinery takes crude, which has great potential energy, and converts it into products that, has, that can provide kinetic energy to whatever motive power you're using. That's exactly what we do, and it's that simple. We take research about fast growth and what are the best of the best companies out there doing. Information that I consider to be Even if you don't, I consider it to be as a business owner because our plan is to take this company public. We're sitting on top of a billion-dollar business idea. My objective is clear, and anybody that works around me knows exactly where we're headed. Um, I want to know what those things are because I can can get there one of two ways. One, I can get there by screwing up and figuring out how to do it by doing it wrong. Or number two is I can get a head start, and I won't eliminate all my screw-ups, but I can certainly reduce them. And uh, what we do is that, We take that information and we turn it into something usable. And what we offer as a company is we offer basically two sets of products. One is assessments and surveys where we view a diagnostic, a checkup, a score that says, this is your readiness for growth, and here are the areas, the obstacles that you're going to need to overcome if you're going to get there, and here are the opportunities that you need to pivot on, that you need to use to accelerate your growth. And we can help you show you a path through those growth stages. And then our other products are, are do-it-yourself, B-I-Y, do-it-yourself job aids that says if you're here and you need to do X, how do you do that? We are not a consulting firm. We do not get into consulting services. So, therefore, I have the luxury of being a data atheist. And what I mean by a data atheist is that I don't care what your data says. Um, so you don't have to defend yourself. I, I'm not father confessor or we're not. Rather, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take as accurate a picture as I can of your business with great detail in the features of those photos so that you and I can figure out what's going on, what's working, what isn't working, and what what path you want to take to the future uh, in order to achieve your dream, to take that dream that you had when you started the company and make it come true. That's all we do. The services side of that, you need consulting and training services. Um, Use the people you got or we'll help you go get them. So if you're interested in that, some options. One is you can go to our corporate website, which is appliedknowledgelabs.com. You can drop me an email at eastman at aklabs.org or aklabs.org. Or you can call us on our Skype hotline, and it's free. So I'm reducing all your costs. you got a free show. You got, we open our kimono on a daily basis to show you all the stuff that we've got. You now you can even dial in for free, and that's 804 471 1660 that's 804-471-1660, okay, gone to the first four, now, what else, let's talk about some of the competing demands that happens in the firm, and that is, as you prepare to grow, there's an emphasis on new business because you're going to have to have new business. You cannot grow the company exponentially. You cannot go through what we call a growth to capacity, this growth spurt that you're looking to build in and engineer and run. Um, you can't do that without new customers. But the challenge with that sometimes is that companies go overboard and that they put new business ahead of old business. And then because you the fact that you're resource constrained and you do not have enough people inside the firm, is that you begin to put people in a tough spot in that, well, do I service existing accounts or do I go after new accounts? And so this one is kind of the balance of how do I service the existing customers I have in the ways that I have serviced them so there's no degradation of the quality of what they've received if it's a service or no degradation of products. Typically on the products, there is some service bundled around that while at the same time going after new customers, because the reality is that if you and I'll share some of the research data with you, is that probably anywhere from 60 to 80 percent of your growth as you go into stage four, which is the what we call the hockey stick um, stage, where you get that huge ramp up in growth, anywhere from 60 to 80 percent of that growth is going to come from new accounts, but even eighty percent says there's twenty percent there that that are customers that we need to keep and so it's not so much that you lose accounts is that your old accounts make up say you know at when you start in stage three they make up a hundred percent of your business and now you're going to be aggressively going after customers now they're only going to make up twenty percent of your business well they can't experience any degradation so how do I help people balance those two out and so um, that's, that is that attribute, and I'll come back and talk about that one. Another one you see here is the issue of selling overwhelmed service. And so what happens is that internal service begins to erode. And what I mean by that is that probably the best paradigm you can use, if I can use that word, you know, it's early in the morning, struggle for words sometimes. Uh, what, what philosophy do you want to apply here? Here's the philosophy, and that is the service that you provide external customers has to be exactly equal to the service you provide to internal customers. If there's a disparity, um, you will always wind up providing the worst of the two. And so I think what you say to yourself is, what type of service do we want to give the external customer? What service is going to win their business and hold their business and create the type of customer loyalty that will generate the long-term profits as well as will create the word of mouth that we're looking for as a company, whatever that service experience is like for the external customer is exactly the service experience that we want to provide inside. And so what that will do is that that will ensure that selling, the emphasis on selling, just like on the prior one, that the emphasis on new over the old won't get in the way. And how do, that's where I make that balance. And by having the person that we're talking about, the data posted, and having some sort of frequent interaction, I can help people understand what's the best way to balance it because sometimes the answer is obvious if they have the data and sometimes the answer isn't obvious and they need to bring that to you because you need to hear that early so that you can do something about it. All right, number seven of eight, and that is common objectives. Now, common objectives takes a look across the company and that says that there is a high level of consistency um, across the functions of the company, and there's a high level of consistency between the co- what the customer wants and what our objectives are as a firm. Now, in back in one of the earlier shows, we talked about the best practices about being market-driven or having customer-driven strategy, and that's what that means here, and that is that if I'm going to put together strategy as a company, and I put together a set of goals and objectives, I always want to ask myself one thing. Do these add or subtract value from the customer? And if they subtract value, they're the wrong set. Now, if I find myself that they're right for the company and wrong for the customer, then the message to you is perhaps I have the wrong customers. I have targeted the wrong industries and the wrong accounts. And therefore, what I need to do to improve the business is I have to go after a different group of people. And then finally, the last one, and I hate to use the word because uh, most entrepreneurs cringe, and that is, what is your policies for service? Um, immediately you go, and I you need no know, thinking policy. Well, uh, let me tell you, you do, especially around customer service, uh, because what this what this really gets at is the issue of, okay, we're going to try to do it right the first time every time. The reality of life is nothing goes that way, and no business operates where you're perfect every time you deliver. And so what is your recovery strategy? How do you intend to recover uh, from the mistakes that you make? And what you need to do, this is kind of an art form. This is not necessarily, you write a strict policy. So here what I'm saying is that you don't want to have nothing in place because then whoever's dealing with this issue doesn't know what's appropriate and may make decisions that are crazy. One decision would be to tell the customer to screw off. I doubt if that would happen, but I've seen it happen. Or number two is that they say, oh, we'll just give it to you for free. Uh, Wrong, wrong, wrong answer. The idea of a policy for service has to do with, okay, if we fail to do something right, what is the latitude that I have as a frontline employee or the person who's dealing with this issue What latitude do I have to make it right? And what I want it clear in their mind is what are the boundaries around what they can do and what are the boundaries around what they cannot do? If I can do that, then I can leave it up to their best judgment. Now, here's what's going to occur. And I've spent many years working in customer service industries. Here's what's going to occur. The first couple times they do it, they're probably not going to make the right decision. But that's all right. Hang in there. Because then what you can do is you can go back to them and say, okay, gee, Bill, that's interesting. Um, Tell me how you arrived at that decision for that customer complaint. And they tell you. And you say, okay, I, I can see your logic on that. Okay, well, I'm going to support you on this because I want you to take the initiative. And so given what you knew, that was not a bad decision. Here's what I'd like you to consider in the future. When you run into that circumstance, here's a couple other factors I'd like you to look at or consider and put that into your decision process. See, by doing that, what you're doing is you're teaching the employees how to think around customer service issues, how to problem solve, because what will happen is that typically you have to give the customer something, but usually it's a lot less than you think. Uh, most, most customers want is a recognition that, hey, you didn't deliver on what you said you were going to deliver, and now I'm unhappy, and you typically don't have to give away the farm. And so what are the policies on service? So those are the eight attributes that four of those are specifically around building some sort of platform, if I could use that word, around how are you going to share information, collect information, and share information to get everybody on the same page. And then the last four were then things that come up, challenges that come up, competing responses, uh, such as servicing new customers versus uh, existing customers. How do we work through that? How do we find that balance? Um, how do we find the balance where selling the demands on selling is so high that it hurts the service that we give the customers? How do we make sure that, number one, is that our objectives that we're trying to achieve as a business are always matched where the customer is headed and that those are consistent across the company? And then the last one was to make sure that we had some minimal policies for service in place so that when our employees who deal with our people who deal with customers deal with issues and they always will deal with issues, is that they have a guide to make the right decision for both the company and for the customer. So that's our show for today. Now our next show, and by the way, that is show number, uh, this is show number 628901. Our show for tomorrow is around deployment of resources. Today's show is around how do I make the complex simple because I'm operating in an exceedingly complex environment and my job as a business owner, executive, or manager is to make the complex simple, the companies that make it do that. Tomorrow we're going to talk about, okay, as uh, how do I, given what I got, how do I get the most out of that? How do I deploy my resources to make sure that given that this is all I have, kind of the Rumsfeld statement of you don't go to war with the Army you wish you had, you go to war with the Army you have. If I'm about to go into a major growth spurt, um, I could wish for a lot of things, but this is what I have, these are the resources I have, how do I get that done? And what I'm going to imply here is something I learned from Peter Drucker um, many years ago that I've employed in my own business and I've helped clients employ this, and that's the rule of the one thing, and that is fund the most important thing that you do, fund at 100 Got any money left over, go to number two, fund at 100%. Where most companies get tripped up is that they don't have enough money to do everything they want to do, so they spread the dollars around and basically underfund everything and then wonder why nothing worked. If you've got enough resources, time, money, people to do three things exceedingly well then that will be much superior to the performance of the company in its future than doing seven things terribly. So with that, wealth and prosperity to all of you. Have a great business day. See you tomorrow.